0: I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. We are at the 50-yard line, way up on top in the press box, in the visiting coaches' box, where it's kind of cool looking down at Husky Stadium with the LED lights, uh, all purple. It, it's, it's, it's cool looking at this, just down at uh, Husky Stadium. And uh, Washington defeats Utah, 35-28 to 28 in front of an announced crowd of just under 71,000. It was a sellout. So mm-hmm. That's what um, they said. Yeah. They sell out, but just under 71 and kind of f- funny, you know, with the clock change rules to sh- try to speed up the games, they don't seem to be, it was three hours and 30 minutes again today. So these, uh, this fallacy that the uh, clock not stopping on first downs was going to speed up the game. Doesn't seem to really, be well, it
1: works the on the back end. end because now they can fill in with more ads. Yeah. Which is, they had plenty of ad time today. Yes, Yeah. Uh,
0: but, um, just, uh, you guys are up in the press box. You didn't notice it. The wind was kind of crazy down on the field. Uh, it just seemed like the 50-yard line was two different two different weather fronts down there. Well, the wind would be swirling one way, one side, and the other on the other end. But uh, it was definitely having an impact on some of the throws, some of the kicking game. And you couldn't tell maybe on TV, but there was some pretty strong gusts.
1: I don't know if you saw Kalen DeBoer pregame, but his hat came off and blew all the way across the field.
2: Oh, no. Huh? Well, no,
1: what, I, what we saw, though, is we saw one of – a piece of information, a paper of some sort, that went clear across the field to the Utah sideline it came from Washington sideline, and guess who picked it up? Kyle Whittingham yeah. took a look at it, and the line judge came up to him and said, "Like basically, you, you got to give me that." And he was like, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe. And he took a couple good looks at it, and then he gave it to him. Yeah, no, it was, it was windy down. Didn't seem to help. And we didn't seem to help in the
0: end. We got a little bit of rain around, you know, the halftime, but uh, not too much. i put my rain gear back away, but uh, uh, definitely um – a real windy day down on the field in Husky Stadium. But Utah came out in the first half and uh, ran the ball like we kind of expected them to. They
2: did, um, but it was the two big passing plays that really made the yeah. difference in the game. Total oh. busts by Washington's defense. The, what was it, 67 yards to Veley, uh, Devon Veley, And then um, they had the, earlier in the game, they had the, the what, 65 yarder to Or maybe it was a little shorter than that, but whatever it was to uh, Sione Vaki, fifty-three yards, fifty-three yard for the touchdown. So yeah, I mean those two plays don't happen, and Washington's easily in the in at halftime. But you know what, they did happen, and Washington, I mean Washington surrendered. Uh, Bryson Barnes was twelve of seventeen in the first half for two hundred and twenty-three yards. I mean he. He was. He looked like the best quarterback in the in the conference at that point.
0: I don't know what was happening in the first half, but there was busted coverage, so many missed tackles. It was yep. just a lot of really foolish things going on.
2: Yeah, yeah, there was. What but,
0: happened on the busted coverage? Because you know, I gotta believe that's not Hampton's fault.
2: Well, no, I think Hampton was like very surprised that the guy just ran free on him um so i you know obviously that's something we're gonna have to ask uh coach i guess it's coach inch we get on um on uh monday but we're gonna have to ask what happened on that play because that i mean I, like you said kim completely busted coverage um guy gets free behind him and luckily hampton had enough speed to catch up to him but didn't really matter they, they ended up going in for it at, yeah at, anyway but.
0: Yeah, the other thing that's, you know, you can excuse one game, but one thing we continue to see is corners not looking back for the ball.
2: Yeah, are you talking about Mish Powell? Mish Powell no. and Elijah Jackson. Well, but Mish Powell was an interference. Elijah Jackson, what, I'm Had trying he,
0: to... Two or three times where
1: he just... Well, Elijah there, Jackson was the one, he would remember he took the bad angle... On the on Well, the that was it. the
2: bad angle, but that that wasn't really looking back for the ball. Kim's talking about when the ball was in the air. I, <laughs> I didn't remember Jackson being egregious on that, but, um, it, you know, it was just, yeah. I mean, Washington just seems to be making mistakes when it comes to, and I'll tell you what, they were bailed out at least one time on a pass interference call that I didn't think should be a pass interference call, that first one yeah. on Romo Dunze. Um, I mean, the ball was way, thrown way out of bounds, yep. and, and she throws a flag. And that, that is the same referee who threw, uh, threw at least four penalties against Washington when they played down at Stanford. So she is very pass interference ha- happy.
0: Well, let's be honest. The officials were struggling all day. Um, I mean, I've got photos of Braylon Trice just being constantly held with arms up around his neck. Mm-hmm. I think he only got one He call. got two, two uh, of them. Yeah, and then again, uh, Romo Dunsey. I don't know who's getting tackled more, Rome or or um, yeah. or um, Trice, but the one down here in the end zone where they didn't call the flag. I mean, I got to is jersey was stretched out twelve mm-hmm. inches and mm-hmm.
1: didn't get called. Well, no, the, one, the one the one down, down here, here, the one down here, the ball was thrown out of bounds. So if anything, it would have been a bail another bailout call. But all that said, Kim, they went for, they combined for almost twenty penalties, both these teams. Yeah. So it wasn't as if penalties weren't called. Yeah, it's, it, think about it. If these if these games if these penalties have actually been called, this would have been a four hour and thirty minute game instead of a three hour and thirty minute game. Washington is still the leading,
0: the most penalized team in the country. So I don't know what it's going to take to in clear the country that or the conference in the country. Okay. Yeah. Also uh, on that um, late in the first half, of the call for well, they called it a legal man downfield, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-mm. The, oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. On Jack Westover, Kalen,
0: what? Kalen went ballistic, and he, at least talked to him at
1: halftime, and he said that's part of our base, base, yeah, you know, base package. Some it, of the fans were saying that it looked like Dylan Johnson had covered up one of the tight ends, but it was like the angle that you could see on the TV copy. It, maybe, maybe not. But, but it's the like referees
2: looking right down the, yeah, right down the that, line. That so. cost him three points.
0: Minimum, Minimum. yeah. Yeah, If you get a chance, listen to the audio of Michael Penix when I asked him about that. Mm -hmm. It's um, yeah, he was. I'm uh, sure it's not good. Yeah,
1: yeah. What did I see, or what did the refs see? And then he just was stumbling and stumbling. Well, it's the same thing. It's like it's such because the bottom line is those calls, guys, are judgment calls. I mean, you would think they'd be letter of the law easy calls to ref because you just have to have a certain way that the that the play has to evolve. And if it doesn't, then there's a penalty called. But it's kind of like the thing with when uh, Troy Fautanu got his helmet ripped off in the game against USC when Dylan Johnson scores a touchdown. Yeah. And they're saying literally because he's running and the guy tried to like get into him and all he's doing is defending himself, that he was guilty of a penalty. And it's like, really? Okay. Fair enough. I mean, whatever. <laughs> it is what it is, I guess. Washington's running game was good enough today. It's really improved <coughs> the last two games. That was going up against the top five rush defense, though, yeah. nationally. I mean, the, 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 the storyline going into this game, Kim, was that Washington wasn't supposed to be able to run against this defense. And yet they were able to find they've a way start, to do it.
2: They've started to figure some stuff out. Yeah? I
0: think. Yeah, they really have. And, you know, you know, on third and threes, they feel comfortable running. I think that speaks volumes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um there was that one, what, third and six when uh, Penix took the ball, and yeah. none of us could kind of figure out what was going on on that. Why, why? Clearly
1: looked like they must have been setting it up for a fourth down, which made the delay on that play yeah. even stranger. Yeah, Like you would have thought, okay, usually when Grub wants to do that, they're dialing up two plays at once. Like they already know what the next play is going to be yeah. based on the results of that Penix keeper. But then they, they go for a delay, and now all of a sudden they got to punt it, and it's like, well, okay, it makes sense to yeah. punt after that. But why did you ever put yourself in a, in a situation where you, the clock's running down and
2: you? Not got, just that, you got Michael Penix taking a hit. Yeah, I, mean, why, I don't get that.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing that's
0: interesting is this team is ten and zero. Mm-hmm. There's still things to clean up. I know. It's not like they're crushing everybody, and you mentioned it several times. You know, when you go back to the Marcus Tuiasosopo year, you know, just every game, every win was a struggle, and this last, you know, few games has been a struggle as well.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, yes, fans will call it a struggle. You can call it a struggle. Media can call it a struggle. You can call it whatever you want. But at the end of the day, Kalen DeBoer was asked about this post game today, and he basically – it's about game control. And at the end of the day, there are situations like he mentioned – DeBoer mentioned the Arizona State game. That's probably the most typical example of a team where they had to come back in the fourth quarter late to be able to win it. But for the most part, like even the Oregon game, it's like they found ways to get the control late – but most of the time, like the other eight wins, for instance, they've pretty much had game control in the fourth quarter. They should have done things. You know, it's like both things can be true. You can have game control issues, but at the same time, if you had just taken care of business, you'd be up by two touchdowns in this game today, for instance, instead of just one. Or, or at the very minimum, up 10 points if you get the field goal that ends up blocked. Which, by the way, I give them full credit for. I thought that four-minute offense in the fourth oh, quarter was masterful. That was awesome. To not come with any points in that game Was or, or after that drive was awful. Yeah, just one of the things, and maybe you guys, like I said, you guys are seeing the whole field. I'm not. Jack
0: Westover had eight targets and seven receptions oh, yeah. for 64 yards. And you think well, seven receptions for 64 yards? But it just seemed like every one of his catches was a big deal. Well, it's the second game in yeah. a row
1: Second after the Oregon game. Where he comes up with an absolute monstrous fourth down catch. I mean, just huge. And like DeBoer said, he goes at the Oregon game. He had to go low to get it, and this one he had to go high to get it. But I'll tell you what, the guy's hands are just—they're they, money—and he just makes every catch, and he just does whatever he needs to do to help the team out. He's—and this is why going back, I'll give Jordan Pow some props on this. When he got him to walk on from Mount Sinai, one of the things that Pow talked about is that you know he's a basketball player. This guy's an athlete. Kim, I know you were, we were right. talking about Chavis, the, the guy for next year for Washington basketball, yeah. and how he plays football and how you love two-sport athletes like that. Well, Jack Westover was a great two-sport athlete at Mount Si, but, but basketball was really his game. He didn't play a lot of football until he got to Washington. But now we're seeing why they wanted that kind of athleticism on the field.
0: Yeah, one of the numbers that really stands out to me, Romo Dunsey was um, targeted 10 times. He only had three receptions, yep. but but 111 yards
2: and two yeah. touchdowns. Catches of 33, 34. Those were to his two touchdown catches, and then the 44-yarder. I think there. I think if fans 40- could
1: literally go out of their monitors and wring the necks out of the officials, they would have done it. Because one of the real complaints in the first half was that Odunze was getting, and I mentioned it, he got no benefit of the doubt from any any of the officials. It just seemed like
0: they were content; were they're not going to let Rome catch the ball, and if they get a
2: PI, they get a PI.
1: Well, it's kind of like what Washington's done, to be honest. Instead of giving up the bomb for a touchdown, they'll give up a fifteen-yard
2: penalty. Real, Real quick, while we're talking about Odunze. But, Chris, you brought up the point.
1: Oh, yeah, back-to-back, first back-to-back 1,000-yard uh, seasons for a receiver at Washington since Reggie Williams, 2002, yeah, two thousand two, 2003.
0: Yeah, and uh, it, it's funny because I've got the radio broadcast in my ear because I can't see everything, but uh, Tony Castricone calls uh, Jalen Polk. Big play, JP, and he was big again today with six targets, four receptions for 55 yards.
2: Well, he had that big first down on that last drive. Yeah. Oh, for sure, down
1: here on the Utah sideline. Yeah. It was huge, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And he took a massive
2: hit. Oh. I know yeah. he's got a. he had to have gone back and said, don't throw that again, Mike, please don't throw that again. So.
0: Yeah, Mike was, it was kind of strange with Mike today because there was a couple of times he kept the ball and a couple of times there was a lot of room for him to run where he chose not to run the ball. Well, the,
2: the one, to, the most egregious one to me, <clears throat> excuse me, was the one where he's rolling out to his left and he's got at least 10 yards that he can run for. But instead, he throw, He tries to throw a short pass to uh, Dylan Johnson, who trips. And so there's no yards gained on the play. And you're just like... You could have just run for minimum of five yards if you want to slide after five yards. But good God, there's times when it's just like... It's it's like pulling teeth to get him to keep the ball. And I get why he, he does it. But man, that's just but frustrating. He took, but
0: he took off a couple times today.
2: And But at times... I saw him take off and he didn't need to take off or he, he, he rolled into, you know, we don't see Michael Penix do this very much, but you you remember, you know, Jake Browning would do it. Uh, Keith Price did it a few times. I remember Jacob Eason did it. Dylan Morris has done it where they, where they literally scramble right into the rush. Mike Penix did that twice today. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Was that as bad of defense for the first half that you've seen in a long time? Uh, No, no, no. You mean uh, comparatively to the offense that was being played? Yeah. Yeah, because, well, yes, because USC put up way more yards in the first half than, than Utah did, but USC's offense... It's better than Utah's. Way better. Way better than Utah's. So, yeah, I, I think Washington was – there, there was just some – there were missed tackles. There were missed coverages. I just, I just think Washington needed to get into that locker room. Obviously, they needed to get in the locker room, get with the coaches, and have the coaches say, all right, this is what they're doing. This is the adjustments we're going to make. Go out and do it. And guess what they did? They held Utah to 76 yards and two turnovers.
1: And, and when they got the lead, guys, let's put let's put a real bow on this. In the fourth quarter, you talk about game control. Washington had the ball for 12 minutes and 22 seconds of the fourth quarter. It'll be that means you seriously, Kim, Utah had the ball for 2 minutes and 38 seconds. It'll be interesting
0: to talk to coach Inge on Monday and find out the adjustments and the message at halftime because I don't know if he lit a fire under them
1: or they made an adjustment, but something was definitely I, I think it's as simple as the fact that Kalen DeBoer talked about them being in better down and distance situations for themselves. I'm talking about Utah in the first half. They were playing. They were playing up to the chains. They were able to do what they wanted to do, and they had the they had their pulse on the game control. Washington was able to grab that in the second half, and they were able to dictate the pace. They were able to get the game control, and then they put Utah behind the you know because we talk. We, are we going to talk about the pick six? Yeah, we can. No, well, let's, we
0: should. Well, first of all, I want to talk about just um, when you take a look at the halftime adjustments like we were talking about. Uh, Utah had 306 yards at the half. Uh-huh. Washington had mm-hmm. 260.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Utah only finished with 382 yards, where Washington finished with 457. So 76 yards in the second half. Yeah. They all They gave up. Yep. And Washington, you know. And no
2: points. Yeah. <laughs> Again,
0: you know, with this fourth quarter last week Against USC, didn't give up any third and
2: fourth quarter today. Yeah, and and, I mean Utah was driving down, and we can talk about this since we're talking about Utah possibly scoring. They get down to the Washington twenty-four, yeah, first and twenty at the twenty-four, yeah, and they look like at minimum they're going to get three points out of the game. And Washington was at that point they were up by five, so. A three-pointer puts it within a one-score win for for Utah. And so Washington is backed up on their heels and everything like that. Barnes throws it out. Doesn't it basically go off his receiver's hands? I think it was kind of a pseudo-tip, yeah. Yeah. And then Alfonso, too. He definitely got his hands on it. Makes an incredible interception. Yeah. Shows a great burst of speed. Gets right down up the sidelines. And right when he got – it was probably about the 25-yard line is when he finally got past the last guy. And you're like, touchdown. I didn't even watch what was happening the rest of the way because I'm like, I start yeah. writing my thing yeah. that I do for the updates. And then all of a sudden – Well, Dan, see, you'd never think it, right? No, I know. Dan Rayley is sitting next to me and he goes, the ball is going to be Utah's at the one. He dropped the ball. And I was like, what? And then I and then I listened to Tony Castricone's call. yeah, And I listened to Cam Cleland going, no, yeah, no. <laughs> like that on the – and you're just like, what happened? And then you watch it. I've seen guys drop the ball before they get in the end zone. Deshaun Jackson, I don't That's know how many times did That's the most famous one. But the yeah. thing is, he did it at like the one inch line. Yeah. Right? Where it's just. He did it at almost the two yard line. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing?
1: I mean, literally, if you want to show off, if you want to do the yeah. French pastry, make sure you go through the yeah. end zone so, first, and then so you can do what you need here's to do. Here's the deal,
2: though. Here's the deal. DeBoer said it. I listened to the podcast as we're doing our post game or not the podcast, the Kennedy the, uh, DeBoer stuff, and he said, thankfully, it's, it's it's, ju- it didn't they hurt won. us. They won. We won the game, and it's a teachable moment for right. us. because." And how much was Alfonso Tupatala, who wasn't in for the safety play, by the way, Carson Bruner was the one who was in, so how much is Tupatala just going, oh, thank God, can we didn't you, lose. Can you imagine oh. how he'd felt if they well, lost the game?
1: The irony, guys, is that if you remember correctly, Oregon and Utah had the same exact thing happen down in Salt Lake, and I can't remember, I think this it was year? the Utah, no, 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 it was years ago, but the but the Oregon, Utah player did the same thing, dropped the ball at the one, and the Oregon player was able to pick it up and actually returned it, I believe, for a touchdown. Can you imagine what would have happened if Utah had returned that for a touchdown? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, literally. I mean, oh my word!
2: And the thankfully, is, it was an offensive lineman that fell on but, it. But
1: right? we certainly don't need to pile on Alfonso because he's already gotten. Piled you know, on. he feels horrible. Well, and I guarantee you that he's never going to want to ever go through that film study session that's coming up ever again. Yeah. Because I mean, that it's the classic case of a guy who doesn't have the ball in his hands very often. Making a mistake that shows you that's a reason he doesn't have the ball on his hands very often.
0: Second half, Washington defense was just totally different than it yeah, was absolutely
2: first. was. Yeah, they just they, they they got Barnes off of his spot. They game got control. Him, they got him off of his timing too. Yeah. you could tell that his timing was completely different in yeah. the second half. And uh, Braylon Trice was getting in, getting. I mean, he, he got some some tackles for loss, all that different stuff. Um, you had Voytenufie with the with the. Um, Roughing the passer thing that I that was not roughing the passer.
0: Well, but. he got rocked and he had to go out for a play. How much uh, that, did, was play. that was the play? How much did that impact his
1: play the rest of the game? Um, it wasn't the thing is that was in the fourth quarter, so it wasn't. And a, again, yeah, they had the ball for two minutes and 38 seconds, Kim. So it's like it didn't matter because, like I said, Washington had that series where they had the ball for I think like seven minutes almost and came away with no points. But they, at the end of the day, it didn't end up affecting them because they literally sucked the air completely out of the ball. And Utah had taken all their timeouts. Like we had people up at the press box when Michael Penix ended up getting sacked that are like, he should have thrown the ball away. It's like, why? No, They just cost Utah their last timeout. Keep
0: in mind, Utah leads the nation. They lead the nation in time of possession. Yeah, and when Utah What was look, the
2: final time of possession and look
0: It was 25 to 34. Yeah, Washington that's had the ball 34. for 34 minutes. Almost
2: 35 minutes, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You
0: know, and Utah had a 2 minutes 38 seconds in the in the set, uh, fourth quarter, Washington 12-22. But that's against a team that was leading the country in yeah. time of possession and you know, people what's Utah? That's the 11th ranked team in the
1: country. Has no, 18th. 18th. That's a good football team.
2: And they're, well, they're not bad. and
1: plus, let's go back to your conversation, Kim, with Steve Bartle from Utah. Yeah. What did he say? What was your key thing when you talked about it? he? They wanted to ugly I mean, it they up.
0: Want to ugly it up?
1: You can't ugly up anything if you only have the ball for two minutes and thirty eight seconds in well, a that, quarter. Well, they didn't. Let ugly, alone the
0: fourth quarter. Well,
1: I don't know if they ugly it up
0: in the first half, but boy, they made Washington's defense sure look ugly. But like I said, do you, did you see
1: anything
2: n- schematically different? No,
1: no, no. And even DeBoer said it wasn't schematics; it was tackling it was getting behind it was getting them in, in situations behind situations. the chains because yeah. they were they were affected by penalties just like Washington was early and they were able to create the t- and and most importantly guys they got off the field when they mm-hmm. could mm-hmm. like if they put them in third and long situations they didn't capitulate and give up a, a big play they were able to force Utah into
2: a punting situation, which was the biggest thing. I will say this: the defensive front four, whether you want to call it two down linemen, three down linemen, two edge guys, whatever it was, whatever they were doing up front was getting more pressure on Barnes.
1: And and, and one thing we can we should say give a lot of credit: true freshman Jacob Lane yeah. played a lot
2: today. He did. He played good. a lot.
1: Now Sakai Aswafoa, I think, was on a limited like on a pitch count because he kind of was coming in the way maybe Thule was coming in, the way Jalen McMillan was coming in for the offense, like a play here, a play there. I think it's still residual from him getting hurt down at USC at the end of the the USC game. So we'll have to find out on Monday what that's like. He looked good. But he he Take stood plane, up yeah. he stood up to the challenge and played really well. I thought
0: it looked like they pretty much got through the game unscathed. Except we'll have to see what the status of Denzel Boston is. He got rocked, and it sounds that was the targeting call. Yeah, it sounds like from DeBoer. DeBoer said he couldn't return. That's why Rome was back there. So I'm guessing that he's
1: got a concussion. And one of the media members, uh, Kim, was asking about uh, Cam Did he was something going on with him? Yeah, no, he I didn't think he came out of the because because Dunley clearly played a ton.
0: I Vince I, I don't think cam was in the, the entire second half yeah he came out with the trainers probably yeah you with, noted it
1: that he was walking around kind of gingerly well he came out
0: with like 30 seconds you know before halftime ended and then he was on the bench and then um, all, the entire second half well, I saw him two or three times I don't think he went back in but he had on the big overcoat you know the big over raincoat
1: yeah all he those had, guys all the skill guys for Washington, when they weren't playing in the game. Those guys were absolutely just draped with these black kind yeah. of rain slicks. But they looked like the kind of puffy kind. Yeah. Like, it's like they didn't look like they wanted to be there, honestly. Yeah, yeah but it looks like they got
0: through, uh, through pretty healthy. And just, just some numbers to take a look at. Washington with 125 yards uh, net rushing. Utah with 113. And... Um, Again, Utah finished the day with uh, 382 yards of total offense and 306 of that was in the first half. Washington finished with 457. Number of plays, that's always a thing that I like to take a look at. Utah with 57 total plays. Do you know how many Washington has? 75. 75. So... I looked.
2: Chris cheated.
0: I looked. Yeah. Third down conversions. Uh, Utah, just by the way, um, was leading the country on defense for the least amount of conversions. They were only giving up about 30%, excuse me, 25%. But Washington was 5 of 14, so right about there. And Utah was uh, 5 of 11 on third down. But just some individual statistics. Dylan Johnson, again, came up big. 23 carries for 104 yards. Michael Penix, 24 of 42 for 332 and two touchdowns. He was sacked once. And uh, Jack Westover again, seven receptions for 64. Jeremy Bernard, six for 63. Jalen Polk, four for 55. And each one of those was a big one as well. But Romo Dunzi, three for 111, which was huge. So I thought they might target Dylan Johnson a little bit more on the passing game. They, uh, did he get targeted at all? Yeah, three times. Yeah. Two catches. Mm hmm. Yeah, so uh, you know that's something to keep an eye on, and uh, also uh, Devin Culp uh, just got overthrown. Michael just overthrew him down in the end zone. Oh,
2: that's a, down. Down. Yeah, it been a yeah, touchdown! Yeah,
1: there were there were a couple balls that sailed on him, but like Deboer said again, post game, one of the things that 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 Penix does really really well is he just throws an incredibly tight spiral. So if there's a ball that's not going to be affected by any sort of conditions, it, it's going to be his passing because mm-hmm. he just. He, he throws a tight spiral, and it cuts through a lot of whatever the whatever's going on.
0: Yeah, and just unusual, again, because we're used to seeing when we go to the defensive stats, stats we're used to seeing guys over the years have uh, the leader being in double-digit tackles. And, again, the leading tackler today was um, Eddie Glufosio with six tackles and Dominic Hampton with five and just all spread out five,
1: four, three, yeah, two. 57 total plays, Kim, yeah. for Utah. Yeah, so that's going to affect tackling numbers. So
2: I, I gave Dominic Hampton my uh, play of the uh, or the player of the game uh, for the defensive side of the ball. That tackle that he made, um, granted, it didn't prevent a touchdown because they scored on the next play. But um, uh, you know his effort to get make them make them, you know, have to run another play was big. But also, you know, he finished with five tackles. He had the interception that basically ended the game. Granted, that ball wasn't going to be caught by the receiver anyway, but. Um, you know, I think Dominic Hampton is probably, it's, it's ironic because his last year as a Husky, but ironic that his final year, he's finally found his home and he's playing. I'd, I'd say he's been one of my surprise players of the of the year. Yeah,
0: and just an ADD moment, just looking down at the stadium, the placards from the halftime card stunt, uh-huh. you can see the cards being blown all the way
1: up under yeah. the second deck. It's still windy up there. I mean, they I don't, don't know how I don't know there. I don't know how well you were able to see it, Kim, at halftime, but it looked pretty cool. Yeah, it looked good. Uh, I couldn't see it on the field, but I could definitely see it on the scoreboard.
0: Yeah. So, anyways, but uh, big win for Huskies uh, again. Kalen DeVore's one hundredth win victory as a head coach. Did you hear what he had to say af- half um, after the game regarding that? He just said that these feel more special and these feel bigger than the ones early in his career. Wow. So. He's on a bigger stage for
2: yeah, sure. 100 wins, 11 losses. Yeah, 80, what, is, what is it,
1: 89? What, Chris? 99? No, it was 111. I know,
2: but 89.2%. Eight, oh,
1: 89.2%. Yeah. That's a good number. Almost 90. Pretty darn close. All right, let's wrap it up, Chris Fetters. Final oh, thoughts?
2: Do we want to talk about recruits that were oh, here? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, Scott. Recruits that were here? So um, the ones that we saw uh, were Pocky Finow. Uh, well, saw- first of all, Scott, you should tell people how difficult it was to try to identify
1: some of the players oh because usually when the, when it's nice and calm out, you know the credentials hanging nice, so you can kind of identify pretty quickly as you move on. Because again, with almost 50 guys here, or Brandon Huffman said there were at least 50, 50 recruits here. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be a lot easier to do it under calm conditions, but it wasn't calm breathing.
2: was their their stuff was blown around pretty good. But, first of all, the, the guy that really stuck out, because he was wearing, he was a big guy wearing a blue jacket with oh, yeah. bright orange sleeves, yeah. was Omar, Omar Khan. Khan. He's so, a thick dude. Yeah, he's a big kid, and he's got a lot of growing to do, and, and uh, talked to his mom for a few minutes. She's just so excited for him to come up here. He will not come up until next summer, though. That's what people need to get there. So he'll
1: account. just enroll. will
2: just enroll. He's a wrestler. Right, but he'll enroll so, for... Um, summer for, for the... Yeah, the LEAP program. Yeah. But um, saw Pocky Finnau down there, uh, Carson Cox. Those are Pocky Finnau is a commit for 2024. Carson Cox is a running back target for 2025. Um, there was another kid, the number one prospect out of Kansas. I think he's the number seven. Um, uh, Babu Lola? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying Andrew, to look up his name. Andrew Babaloa. Andrew Babaloa, yeah. And I stood next to him, and Kim said it in our... Little group chat, but he looks very skinny. He 6'7", six seven two forty, maybe. He's, well, we've got him listed at six six two seventy five. He so ain't two seventy. I don't right. think he's two seventy five, but if he is, he's got very dense bones. But he's a he's an impressive looking guy, and um, you know, I just said hi to him, and then I talked to him soon. But um, he, he he was like, "This is so cool. We don't have anything like this down in Kansas." So, yeah, well, it
0: made um, him feel like home because it yeah. looks like Wizard of Oz with everything yeah, flying around the exactly, so stadium.
2: There was also. Uh, uh, no, there was a report. I did not see him on the sidelines, but probably didn't need to because he was probably up in the recruiting lines. But Jason Brown was here, the running back from uh, O'Day. He was here. Um, Jonathan Epperson, he's a linebacker prospect from, with an offer from UW, from um, Auburn-Riverside. He was here. And um, Darius, uh, Darius Dixon, uh, the cornerback from one of the top corners in the country from uh, Santa Ana, modern day. And uh, he he was here as well. So those were just some of the guys I saw. There were a lot of other guys that were on the field as well.
0: Cameron Brown.
2: Cameron Brown. With a K. Yeah, from... looked like a big corner. Okay, He's from California. And that might be another kid. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see him. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was a good group of uh, prospects on the field. It'll be interesting to see. I talked to Khan, and it sounds like. If he can find time and find a good airfare, he's going to try and make it up for the Apple Cup because he said he wanted to see what a rivalry game was like up at Washington. All right. So, All
0: right. Wrap it up, Chris Fetters.
1: 10-0. Uh, and 0. I guess this team is officially on the slopes of the of the Mount Everest of Washington football because there's only one other team that's ever uh, scaled this particular yeah. summit, and that team happened to win a national championship. So enjoy it, you dub fans, because this doesn't come around very often. And – they also have a chance to make some history in the fact that no Pac-12 team, so think, it up, think of that since 2011, no Pac-12 team has gone through conference unbeaten. And they've got a chance with two more wins to do just that. So next game at Oregon State, it's going to be every bit the dogfight this was tonight. Give a ton of credit to Utah, Kyle Whittingham. Those guys are really well coached. DeBoer said it himself even during the game. This, They're the back-to-back Pac-12 champs for a yeah. reason, guys. This was never going to be a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. So for them, for Washington to overcome what they did, especially in the first half, make the adjustments, continue to have belief in themselves and the process and trust in their teammates to do their jobs, to be able to come out with a win and to come out in the fourth quarter especially to do what they were able to do, hold that ball for almost 12 and a half minutes in that quarter, um, that's impressive. And so to do that and to come out with a win, big for them, 10-0 and 0 again. Boy, two more games. They can make a lot of history. Wrap it up, Scott Ecklund.
2: Um, you know, I talked to Steve Bartle from the Utah site. I think it's Ute Zone. Is that what it's yep. called? Yeah, Youth Zone. And uh, I, you know, I've met Steve several times. Great guy. Um, Love talking to him. He and I, you know, I asked him. I said, "Look, I thought Oregon was still the better team and should have won that game with with Utah down in Utah, but." How are they thirty-five to six? It was thirty-five-six was the final score. How did that happen? And he just said it felt like Utah just didn't show up for that game. He said Utah still would have lost that game, but that Oregon is not twenty-nine points better than Utah. And and he said Washington for his for his money um, gave gave uh, Utah way more than Oregon did um, offensively. Um, they, he said that. Utah showed up, though, and Washington had to play through all that. That being said, like Chris said, echoing, 10-0. and The only other time it's ever been done is 1991, so enjoy this. As Chris said, um, Washington is playing well. Um, but there's still, Kim, you've made the point several times, there's still a lot for them to improve on and get better at, and that's the good thing. So um, they have two more weeks. Got a really tough road game this weekend against Oregon uh, State coming up. Um, then Washington State back here, who's kind of folded up tents for the season, it looks like. I mean, got, yeah,
1: didn't see the end of they the They got Cal blown game out today. by
2: Cal. Yeah. So it was 41-24 is the last I saw. But um, anyway, just, you know, Washington has a really good chance to go 12-0. and And if that happens, I mean this this team has to rank right up there with the with the greatest teams to ever come out of the University of Washington
0: 10 and 0 and they've had some big wins on the road in East Lansing thrilling like, wins yeah you know and I don't care what anybody says you go to a Big 10 school on the road that's a tough win. That Arizona win, you know, by seven points. Everybody kind of poo pooed that at the time, but Arizona's proven to be the real deal. They struggled with Stanford and Arizona State as the flu ravaged this mm-hmm. team. Uh, they beat, you know, Oregon, who's playing as good as anybody in uh, in the
2: country right now, and in what is arguably probably the best game of yeah, the season yeah, in they, college football. Yeah, and and
0: then they go down to USC and defeat a Heisman trophy candidate and that guy was as good as any quarterback I've seen since I've been doing this and then come back home and beat a real good Utah team. They're not mowing down, you know, you know, just bad teams. They're playing some really good teams and going down to Corvallis and you know, Chris, you've said it all year long. You've got them losing down at Corvallis.
1: I but, do. Yeah. I do. Too. And 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 no spoilers here, but yeah, I will predict a loss at Oregon State. Yeah, no. Because I'm sure. telling you right now, the biggest thing is their bucking is history. Since no team has ever gone Pac 12 undefeated, I, I, I think this Washington team could yeah. do it, but I'm not going to
2: predict it. The, yeah. They are not losing the Apple Cup. I no. They're right not, the they not losing the Apple they Cup. They're not losing the Apple Cup. So if they're going to lose, it's this weekend. Yeah. I don't think Oregon is as good as
0: you think they are. And the one other thing, it's, I call it the Kalen DeBoer factor. He has the blueprint to win a championship and go undefeated. He's done it before. He's been there before. And when you've done something once, second time's always easier.
1: Well, now let's comment. <laughs> we can do we, we can do common opponents now because Oregon State beat Utah by fourteen in Corvallis. Mm-hmm.
0: That stuff doesn't matter to me. It's just kind of like, I don't care.
1: Okay. So, anyways, uh, just a reminder, basketball
0: uh, tomorrow night, Sunday night against Nevada. That's a good Nevada team. You
1: remember who the head coach is now of Nevada? I can't
0: remember. Steve Alford. Okay. That's right. Somebody was asking Hop about Steve Alford. He (laughs) said Steve Alford was his idol. But uh, this is an exciting basketball team. It's totally different than what we've seen in the Hop era. So, uh, they run. They're experienced. uh, They're a fun team to watch. So, 7 o'clock tip-off. Uh, Sunday night against Nevada is
2: that on the Pac-12 network
0: I believe so yeah so we'll see no more please no more 830 games (laughs) please 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 so you sound like me no 830 basketball games come on during the week come on so hey from all of us and just one more time just overlooking Husky Stadium guys that looks pretty cool down there doesn't it yeah it does it looks pretty cool it's all
1: purple yeah for all all of us it's It's hard for
2: me to believe that we only have one more week here
1: yeah, one more game here. Kelly yeah. DeBoer said it all year: these things go fast. You better enjoy it while you can. Yeah. Yeah. for all of us at DogMan.com, I'm Kim Grenell, along with Chris Fetters and Scott
0: Eklund. Go dogs!